Welcome to Between Two Chairs, demystifying commercial real estate, the podcast that brings you the latest insights and trends on the South Florida commercial real estate market with your hosts, Fernando Arencivia Jr. and Jennifer Wolman. In each episode, we dive into the world of commercial real estate and break down complex concepts to make them accessible for everyone. Whether you're a real estate professional, a curious investor, or just interested in the South Florida market in general, Between Two Chairs is the podcast for you. So pull up a chair and join us. I guess we should say welcome back to another episode of uh, Between, Between Two, Two Chairs. chairs. Jinx. <laughs> I guess today, as part of our topic, is we're going back to elementary school. Yes, as a teacher, I thought you'd love it, even though you were a high school teacher. But you know what? I what I really loved, and I don't know if you've ever if you ever saw that. You know, maybe when you took your kids to school, but there was I remember seeing a poster that says everything you ever learned that you needed to learn, you learned in in kindergarten. Right there's yeah. the book. Everything yeah. I ever oh, learned was in yeah, I know. learned in kindergarten. Yeah, yeah. it's a great little book. Yeah. But I, I think I think it speaks to the fact that sometimes we, as we grow older, we overcomplicate things. And uh, I think there's something beautiful and important about simplifying things to its most, you know, important elements. And, you know, that's really where, where the magic sauce is. That's really where the understanding comes in. And then you could add upon those things. Correct. I so, agree. So, yes, we're going back to elementary school and specifically circle reading time. Do you remember doing that? I don't know if you did that with your girls, but with my kiddos, we used to have in elementary school, there was a reading day and you'd right. go into the library and sit in a circle and read. So today we're going back to the three little pigs. That's right. So the three little pigs, the children's story about the pigs who built their house out of three different materials, straw, sticks, and bricks, and the big bed wolf who blew them away. And I can't remember what we were talking about the other day, but I brought that up and said, the three little pigs is really a real estate story. <laughs> and of course, what, what that reminded me is that, so in Miami, we have a an economic development group called the Beacon Council. They are terrific. And uh, when I was back in my days teaching in Miami-Dade County Public Schools, they had a program in which they would bring in economics and government teachers into um, a program. Basically, it was a one-week summer event. And what they had us work on is basically to teach an economic principle or a higher order thinking principle through the use of, you know, creating our, our own lesson plan. And, you know, they wanted us to really think outside the box. And I remember reading a book, which I used to read to my kids, even in, in middle school, which was, it's called The True Story of the Three Little Pigs. And it's basically the perspective of the three little pigs from the point of view of the wolf. It's a really charming story and it, and it's really fun. And you see the different perspective. But the whole idea was that you could do a comparison and contrast between the two stories. Because the whole point of education is to get people to think and to get them to use higher order thinking skills, right? And, uh, and that's when you get to analysis and that's when you get to synthesis. You just brought back so many memories when you brought up this idea. 
of doing the three little pigs as a topic for our commercial real estate podcast. Well, and that whole program that you just described and how it gets you to think bigger and analyze and think the bigger picture is so relevant to commercial real estate and probably the three little pigs itself, because even though there are a lot of life lessons in it, you know, in the three little pigs about patience and everything else. As somebody in the real estate business, to me, it was always a construction story, right? So um, you can take shortcuts and, and it's a lot cheaper to build a house of straw, a little bit less cheap to build out of sticks. Um, it takes less time to do it. You just kind of weave it together. Whereas with bricks, you have to stack it. You've got the cement. You have to make sure the bricks are equal so that you're Walls aren't kind of leaning in or out. And um, given that we live in Florida with hurricanes, to me, you know, BBW, the big bad wolf, is obviously hurricanes. But I think anywhere in the country that you live, you have some kind of crazy weather that you need to build for. Here in South Florida, since the south part of Miami-Dade was yeah. devastated by Andrew, our building codes after that became some of the strongest and, and best in the country. And that's also part of our affordability issue, right? By, by requiring such strict building materials and codes, you know, we have to build with CBS block. I'm dumbfounded when I drive through other parts of the state of Florida and I see massive buildings, whether they're single family homes or multifamily homes being built out of sticks. <laughs> I know it's called wood frame technically, but to me it sticks. I'm like, oh, this does not look good. And and a lot of those are in coastal cities. And, you know, over the years we've seen hurricanes in Panama City Beach yeah. um, wipe out whole cities. And the properties that are left standing tend to be the ones like the one in Panama City Beach. Oh, it wasn't Panama City Beach. I think it was Mexico Beach up in the the panhandle, it was a house built at a CBS block, right? And I think he probably was a transplant from Miami-Dade County. But so there's a lot to be said about the quality of construction and, yeah. and doing things the right way. And that has led to, especially nowadays, where we're having such an issue with insurance throughout the country, not just in South Florida, um, due to so many climate factors. You know, California has earthquakes, floods, and fires, and we have hurricanes and floods, and other places have floods and tornadoes or winters or whatever. So I think the quality of construction is is very important. I think that there are, are a lot of real estate lessons in what you said. And, and honestly, until you mentioned it, I never connected how literal of a big, big bad wolf hurricanes are because we have living in South Florida for so long experienced and seen homes literally be blown away by the wind or destroyed by water that, uh, you know, and that combination of the two is incredibly powerful. And of course, you know, Florida just went through one of its most historic, you know, natural disasters in the West Coast uh, with Hurricane Ian. And you know, what I find really interesting in the lessons here is that first, the interconnectivity of it all, right? We we just finished being a part of the um, Miami Realtors commercial mid-year, and there was a panel on, on insurance, and we realized that insurance is predicated upon the insurance companies being able to uh, get reinsurance, you know, and that's how they spread out their 
their uh, risk and how interconnected we are as a world, we are affected not only by what happens locally, but what happens globally. So when there's a flood in Iran and floods in Germany and you have the, you know, the tragic earthquakes in, um, in Turkey and how all of those things affect the reinsurance market, you know, uh, worldwide, no matter how you slice it, these climate issues are going to continue to put a are going to be a big concern for anyone that owns property, especially commercial property, you know, anywhere in the world, really. But of course, in Florida, we see it firsthand. I think part of the lesson that I find really interesting in the story of the three little pigs is the idea of whether you want something to be done quickly and 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 efficiently, or are you looking for something that is done. Uh, that is going to withstand the test of time. And and I think that that is also an approach that you hear from different investors. Some investors, they want to put a lipstick on a pig, as they say. They want to just create cosmetic changes that that hint as if there were bigger changes to a property when they're updating a property. Um, and some are looking at, well, I, I just made a huge investment in the property. Okay, I'm going to make an additional investment to make sure that there is longevity to what I'm doing. So it's not only in the building, but it's in the renovation, is in the way they treat all of the changes that they make to the property that they're managing. And I I think long term, undoubtedly, investors that have that long term view, they sell for a higher price per square foot. They attract better tenants. You know, they're able to increase rents. They're able to really maximize the uh, potential of the property. And then you you have investors that, that do the opposite and it is to their detriment. They think they're saving money, but long-term it becomes prohibitively expensive to maintain the property and to and to fix it in, in piecemeal fashion. And I think that part of the issue that everybody is going is coming to terms with is the quality of a property is incredibly important as you're facing skyrocketing prices of insurance and as you're facing, you know, skyrocketing prices of construction and everything else that is that is going on. I don't know in your experience when you're selling a property that has been renovated extensively, a couple of the discussions that I have with buyers is that buyers want to equate on a one-to-one the the amount that was invested in the renovation, right? So they're saying, well, you know, you spend this amount on the renovation, but I'm not really going to be able to get this out of it. One of the things that they miss out on it is the time that is invested <laughs> in that renovation. And, uh, and and think about those people that put off making capital investments in their property. And then they found themselves in a position where they had to make those capital investments at a time where if you, they would have done it three, four years ago, they would have spent a lot less than they're spending now right. in making those capital improvements. Well, just look at, so in Miami-Dade County, we also were one of the few counties in the country that required the 40-year certification. And and that's basically where, with, with few exceptions, every building has to get certified when it's 40 years old and then right. every 10 years after that. And that's changing now right. with, with the new Florida law, but let's just stick with what it is for now. And basically, if you were a landlord or, or a property owner and you did basically nothing for those 40 years other than the bare minimum, you're going to have a rude awakening on your 40-year certification when you see the plumbing deficiencies, the electrical deficiencies, and, and probably structural and everything else that's going to come about. Whereas if you've been properly maintaining it and doing little yeah. improvements here and there throughout the 40, you're, you might still get a bill, but it's not going to be... It's not going to be as big. And 
what's also kind of cool, I think, about South Florida is that because of our issue um, with hurricanes and flooding and everything else, we've formed this resiliency compact between um, Palm Beach, Broward, and Miami-Dade County, and, and several municipalities within each of those counties offers grants to people in certain areas. For example, the city of Hollywood, their CRA, their Community Redevelopment Agency, they offer grants to property owners within their district to harden, to improve the property. It's really for an aesthetic yeah. purpose, but it includes stuff like roofs and structural and impact resistant windows wow. and doors. And it's a pretty impressive grant. I mean, they give 50% up to $50,000 and they have a hotel one as well. And that hotel one I think is like 33% of improvements up to $250,000. So wow. it, it doesn't sound like a lot of money in, no, in the is. scheme of things when you're looking at, you know, for a hotel, probably several million dollars, but it's something, right? And it's something where they see value in, in giving that. And then you couple that with either a historical tax credit for redoing right. some of these improvements that you can get, or what is it, the the U.S. Green Building Council, um, there, there's a tax credit that you get for green building through the IRS, and that's like 250 to $5 per square foot for wow. efficiency improvements. Um, and then for energy storage systems or um, electrical vehicles, charging, you can get like 30% back. So again, if you look at just the cost of something, you might want to build out a straw or sticks. <laughs> but if but if you look at the long-term picture, and as we discussed yeah. several podcasts ago, or maybe even the last one, that you know, if you're a commercial real estate investor, most commercial real estate investors are long-term hold. Yeah. So when you do these improvements and don't cut the corners and build your house out of out of bricks. In the state of Florida, we're going through a shift in how those 40-year recertifications, which are being brought down to 30 years, there's a lot of changes to the way that those, those inspections are, are getting done. And and as we speak, you know, the, the state is has made changes in this last legislative session to that. It's very important for any commercial property owner to be up to date as to what those changes mean to the way that they're structuring their capital Im improvements on the building. But I, I think oftentimes when an investor is looking at making a capital allocation to a building, they're thinking, okay, what, what, how much value is that property going to gain? And sometimes what I have found is that the value is, it goes beyond comparable market analysis that you can make on the property. And I, and I have an example. So I have this client that she is all about not cutting corners. And so she decides to open a restaurant with, she's a doctor, decides to open a restaurant with her husband. And she buys this piece of property in front of a building that she had built herself for her practice. When she when she buys this building, she realizes that the building needs a lot of work. Now, she could have cut a ton of corners, but she didn't. She brought it down to the studs. She broke the ground. She broke all the walls. She redid all the plumbing, all the electrical. And to make a long story short, the venture didn't do well as far as the restaurant goes. And then she decides, okay, I'm gonna sell the actual real estate. But she wanted 30 to 40% higher than the market was bearing. It was in a market that was very hard to find comparables, right? 
But not only did she do everything with permits, she had all the plants, she had pictures, she showed all the work, all of everything that she bought, all the equipment, everything. She had an incredible accounting of it. And she was able to achieve her, achieve her price. Because for a restaurant, uh, the restaurant that came in there realized just the time and energy to have something that is going to have this level of longevity and the comparability of it, they would have a very hard time finding. And of course, they realized that, you know, based on the fact that they were already uh, an experienced operator, they knew that in 18 months they were going to make their money back. Right. right? Not only that, but but if you look at when she did the improvements, right? So right now the cost of everything is so expensive and this goes into your timing issue. So if I find a property that had all of the improvements that today would cost me 20 to maybe 30% more than they did just a couple of years ago, there's your premium right there, right? And then permits. When you have a leg up. You you have a leg up. And now that is your argument to the market. Your argument to the market is, I already made the renovations for you, right? You don't have to invest the time. Okay, we have a labor shortage and we have skyrocketing prices of construction, which have leveled off in some in some cases, right. but the timing, the timing is still very long. Even just the permitting has just been right. incredibly difficult at every level, whether it's the county, the city, you know, any municipality in, in South Florida is having great delays in permitting. So now Talk about the time value of money. Right. So then that's the argument that you make. I've already done the work for you. You don't have to worry about this for 10, 15 years. Um, and if you allocate a certain amount of money every year to reserves, then you know you're going to be taken care of by the time you have to replace you know, the roof. What I love about her story is it, get, it gets even better because then she closes her, her, her practice and now she wants to lease her building. She, she owns her free and clear. She built it herself, Right. And we're having a really hard time finding affordable insurance. And the insurance was going to be like $30,000 to create, to cover wind and things like that. And you know what she decides? She decides, I don't need it. I built it myself. I built a bunker. Mm-hmm. I didn't cut any corners, right? I have a very strong structure. So she insured the liability. She insured certain things, but she's okay not, not going with that. And that allowed her to, to be able to actually you know, make a great profit from leasing the building long term, you know? Well, and by not cutting corners when you when whenever you've said permit several times and I kind of giggle because so many people in Florida are like, oh, I just don't want to deal with permits. It's such a pain in the neck. They yeah. take so long. I'm just going to do this uh, little bit of work without a permit. And coming back to cutting corners at the end of the day it bites you because if you say oh well i did that roof but i did it without permits or it's all new electrical it's up to code but without permits your value is gone as far as i'm concerned because you 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 can't really insure it there's no warranty you know there's so so don't 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 do work without permits people there there is great value when you're presenting a property to the market to say everything was done with permits here you go here's here are the plants everything was up on the up and up and i think that but i will say this you're it's it when you tell me permits it's a trigger word for me because i just finished closing a permit on, on my terrace and it was a nightmare because, and that this is a whole separate podcast. So I'm going to end it right here, but I will just say that municipalities make it very difficult sometimes than they should 
in order for people to do things with permits and to do it right. You know? Right. And that and that's something that, you know, we as as realtors and with the advocacy that we do have really been working on because yeah. you have to reward good behavior yeah. as well as punish bad. You can't just punish bad behavior. But if somebody is going to the effort to do everything right, knowing that it's more expensive to build in Florida. And right. you want to try to create some sense of affordability. One way to do that, getting back to your time as money thing, is to expedite the permit process. Yeah. Don't cut corners, yeah. but don't make getting a permit, yeah. inspecting work for the next process of the permit and to close the permit. Yeah. Such a nightmare, right? So oh. so those are things that a lot of our, some municipalities have done a really, really good job on that. Right. I think Hialeah yeah. Gardens and Miami yeah. Gardens have done yeah. exceptional or, work. Or, I mean, and Hialeah. And Hialeah. Hialeah. But Miami Gardens, you know, where they have that whole review committee yeah. that whenever you want to do construction, you just go in with your plan and you sit together with everybody who's ever going to look at your plan or your project. You sit down with them on day one, like, Wow. Uh, that's amazing, that's right? Amazing. Talk about cutting out and now that's it's not amazing. like, oh, well, the architectural board said right. this, but I already got that's approval right. for this. So so some municipalities have and done a really good job. And just to give some job. context to people that are listening that maybe are not aware, uh, when you submit plans to a city, that is a very rare thing because normally they they are separated by their own departments. They live in their own silos. And so, you know, when you, when you turn in your mechanical, electrical, you know, uh, plumbing plans, you know, that goes through multiple departments and one department says one thing to you and then the other department goes back and says no this has to change and and there there's never any connectivity between the two of them they don't really communicate with each other they don't oftentimes right. look at their own notes uh, each other's notes right and so that's a great thing that Miami Gardens yeah. has done and it's uh, it's well it's really helped them with some sure. great they, they have some great developments going on there. Their whole, you know, their mayor and their city commission have been very, very progressive um, in yeah. doing that. And they've been able to attract some. There's a, there's a lot of cool things happening in Miami Gardens, yeah. you know. Yeah. And for and for old school Miami people, you know, we're talking about Carroll City. Yeah. You know, I know yeah. people are very proud of Carroll City. So, you know, I always remind people, yes, that is that is Carroll City. Speaking of Carroll City, if I may, I have I have a stat. So, you know, they're doing a huge development because, you know, last year we had the inaugural Miami uh, F1 Grand Prix in um, Hard Rock as opposed Hard to Rock what, Stadium, not Hard Rock, Hard Rock, Rock Hotel. Right. It used I, to be Joe Robbie for all you yeah. old, old, old real-time <laughs> Miamians, Joe Robbie Stadium, our football stadium, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Hard Rock. Unlike popular belief, it is not in South Beach. It is yes. in Miami Gardens. What I really love is now that now they just announced they're redeveloping an entire city block that's going to have hotels and and everything is predicated around, you know, all of the activity that is surrounding the stadium. It's a very active entertainment, worldwide entertainment venue. But now with F1, it, they've taken it to another level. So I have a little stat for you, because as, as many people know, I'm a huge fan of F1. So last year, Miami Grand Prix broke records for both viewership and attendance. They had over 230,000 people attend and over 2.6 million people viewing the race. At its peak, it was 2.9 million. This year, you have a reduction in the viewers, right, to about 2 million. But even at that number, that makes it the last year, that was the number one F1 race in the world as far as viewership and attendance. 
this year, even though the numbers go down to about 1.95 million, 2.3 million at its peak, it's still the second <laughs> highest viewed race in F1 history. And our attendance went up to 270,000. So, but so there were 30,000 more people in, in Hard Rock at watching those prices, the F1 that's race. Crazy. At those... <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. That was, those were, those were really so expensive tickets. That's one thing about Miami is really an exceptional, an exceptional place. And I think, I think it is a record. The fact that we have yeah. a major league baseball team, a major, you know, an, an NFL team, we have uh, an MLS team. We have a hockey team. We have the F1 race. We're going to host soccer, World Cup. And uh, so, you it's know. It's great it's, to be Miami, as TK always says, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So is it already time for the fun fact? I, I don't think, feel like I think we've we been are. on. I, I don't feel like we we've been no. on. So that was yours? That was mine. That was, that was mine. So mine, along the construction theme that we were going on, is that the Florida Structural Engineers Association awarded a UM PhD grad student. His name is Luca Galli, a civil um, engineering student at UM, the 2022-2023 Structural Engineering Majors Scholarship. And he was awarded that for a project that he's doing on one of the largest seawall construction um, projects. And it's super interesting because going back to our point on not cutting corners and sustainability is that they're using some, a different type of cement. So they're using different building materials than we've okay. historically used. And one of them is ultra high performance concrete. And the other one is glass fiber reinforced polymer. Okay. which is similar to rebar, but unlike rebar, it doesn't corrode. So it's not affected mm -hmm. by wow. salt water. So I thought those... So there's no spalling, no spa exactly. Wow. exactly. So I thought those were super interesting yeah. coming out of our very own little humble UM. And it's something, yeah. again, going to the point of don't cut, you know, be like, a no three little, be like the third little pig, don't That's cut right. corners, have a long-term vision, yeah. plan for the BBW, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you'll be okay. And then everybody will come move in with you when their properties <laughs> <have left> <laughs> That is so true. That is awesome. Well, that's fantastic. Congratulations. Congratulations, Gali. That's right. Congratulations, Gali. Luca Gali. <laughs> He's got a great name, too. I know. Uh, that's awesome. All right. Thank guys. you for pulling up a chair and having story time with that's us. That's right. Going back to kindergarten. <laughs> I hope your chair was more comfortable than those little ones. I in love kindergarten. it. I love it. Next up, Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> <laughs>